Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Get a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ and Mary Lee, my sister Marsha Joyce, and we have Nancy Gardner here, and we're going to talk about dreams. Talk about, you have no idea. This book is so amazing. Lily promised never to enter someone's dreams until her daughter is accused of murder. Wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? Hoping to cast a killer, will she be able to enter this before it's too late? I thought that was so cool. I'd like to enter somebody's mind and change their thoughts. That would be cool. So... <laughs> I'd be with you on that one. So how to, give us a short summary. I have a lot of questions, so if I ask one that is two-pointed, just say skip it, because I think I have 97,000 questions here. That proves I read the book. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's, I have heard from people that they they find it intriguing, an intriguing idea, and I think um, you have, I, I, I'm interested in answering them. So, the book is about a woman who, and I'm very interested in family and ancestry. Mm-hmm. And this woman's ancestors were given the power to walk into other people's dreams, but only under one circumstance. And that is to uncover injustice and find truth. So she's had that power, but when she's very young, she uses it before she's properly trained, and all hell breaks loose. It is not a good scene, and she ends up losing the most important person in her life. So she's scarred, and she's not going to do it again. Years later, her daughter is accused of murder, and the mm. police are pretty convinced. And that, therefore, she is left with no choice. She has to do this again, despite the fact that mm. within that dream walking, the danger is this mysterious entity that can grab her if she's in somebody else's dream. That is so scary. That's why I liked it. <laughs> You know what it is? I have read, my husband kept keeping counting, I think close to 20,000 mysteries in the last 10 years. Seriously. Wow. Wow. It's my mother's fault. I read 10 books a week, and I still do at times. And I, I was like, this is not ordinary. This didn't bore me to tears. I mean, they're all the same, you know, murder, mystery, blah, blah, blah. Somebody gets killed, the character, main character. I want to kill the main character off half the time. I can't stand it. And then I, st- I read this one, and I'm going like, oh, finally, something that that's different. So well, how did you create you. the first the first scene with Kitty? And what is her relationship with Lily or the main character? Why was this death odd? And what does the statement, find the truth, mean? Oh, man, that was so cool. Right, right. Well, 
so Kitty was Lily's childhood friend. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I have a chronic clock, not to worry, but one of the oh, few God. people <laughs> Yeah, we'll just go. This will be, this will work. I've done it for years. So one of the few people who knows about Lily's power and also circumstances have, have occurred that we you find out in the book for a, for a reason. Kitty is the only connection Lily has to her estranged daughter, Sarah. So Kitty knows that Lily can dreamwalk to uncover secrets. Kitty's mind has been messed up from a prescription drug she's been taking, and there's more in there. And she is asking Lily to find the truth. She's really asking her to dreamwalk. Lily doesn't want to do it then. It is not the, the terrible thing happening that makes it happen. But Kitty knows that there's nobody else that could find out a secret that she knows needs to be exposed. Mm. That's scary. That is really scary. I scare myself with this sometimes. <laughs> I know. I wish I could do that. So tell us no. about Lily's relationship with her daughter, Sarah. And then this really, well, you know something? There are so many families where there's fighting or arguments, and then they don't talk to each other anymore. And then the person's dead, and then you wonder, why didn't I say so? I'm sorry? And that's oh, sad. Yes. yes. I totally agree. So, and, and we have Anne the nun. So what was her problem? Yeah. So, so um, like many young people, Sarah gets involved with the wrong cl- uh, crowd when she's a teenager. And she goes missing at the same time Lily's husband, Sam, is in the hospital dying. Mm. Long before that, Lily's sister, Anne, who is, a Roman Catholic nun, while Lily is a Wiccan, and they they both have disagreements about each. Well, it's more that Anne and her father are afraid for Lily. Okay, so mm. there is an estrangement there caused by missed perceptions. So um, after Sam dies, Lily's trying to put her life back together, including finding a daughter. Mm. Kitty's the only one that can help her. And she, then she learns that Sarah was released from prison and on parole and went to her aunt instead of to Lily, her mother. So there is, that's the beginning. And at the beginning, there is this loss that Lily has for all that is really important to her. Mm. So who is Martin and why does Lily draw his attention? But how would that help Sarah? Well, so Martin, I mean, Martin turns out to be, uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a love in, interest. But mm. he, he, um, he is Lily's accountant. He, she met him years earlier with her husband, Sam. Sam and Martin were wonderful friends. They, they, they shared many memories. And Martin also, besides being their accountant, he has a sideline. He teaches Tai Chi, and he taught Sarah Tai Chi. And now that she's coming, you know, kind of um, being reclaimed from her teenage years, he's helping her find new confidence through Tai Chi. 
Well, that's interesting. Does that answer your question? Yes, you it tell does. Me very nicely. Missing. Okay. No, it's, it's, it, it certainly does. <laughs> so, sure. what is St. Bridget's? I found that fascinating. And why is what does Anne care about these people? And who are they and why oh. are they there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, St. Bridget's is a very special place. Yeah. For aging, aging homeless women who've been out in the streets. It's Sister Anne's brainchild. Her father left her the property, St. Bridget's property, in his will, and that's where she's chosen to provide a permanent home for what she calls her ladies. One of her motivations here is a long time ago she did something that would have hurt her father, and we don't learn more about that until book two. Driving force to help these women is because she feels she needs redemption for this this mistake she made a long time ago. Oh, now, wait a minute. You just said something. There's a book, too? Oh, I'm working on it. Oh, yeah. I just have to make sure. Because there are very few people lately that I've said, make sure I get it. Are you going to do another tour with Partners in Crime? I would love to when book two is finished. Yeah, they're they're the best. I did one with with my book Population Zero. I'm doing one and I'm um, getting mixed feelings about it with another touring company. I won't say what. I just got a four-star review that was really nice that said that people should read the book. It's called Population Zero, The World Without People. I'll write it down. It's scary. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's scary. Most people don't understand it. Um, I wrote, created worlds that you wouldn't want to live in. I invited a dead spirit to come back and experience my world so people would stop acting like fools in this one. And I totally I say, tell us about Flo and Rose, and why would he get the feeling that this is a place that is a safe haven? Well, Flo and Rose, uh, they are my favorite characters. Yeah, me Even too. Even before... Yeah, even before the story, this novel took place, they, um, well, I mean, there is a history there. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about them, and I'll tell you a a little bit about why I care about them. Mm. So, and I've written several short stories that have been published about them. So, and one of them is Killer Fastball. It's up on Amazon Kindle. But Flo is a big, brash woman with alcohol problems. Her fists are always ready to protect someone she cares about. Because a long, long time ago, she wasn't able to do that. Rose is a woman who carries visible and invisible scars because years before, she lost her husband and daughter in a fire. She suffers from occasional mental breakdowns but she's also the quiet watcher who sees and understands more than others would expect. Um, so both of those women call to me. Yeah, and they remind me of people I have loved in my family who've had yeah, I know. simple problems. And I, wish, and I wish that in the world that they lived in there would be some safe haven like St. Bridget's. I know. 
I mean, I lost my sister. We don't know what happened that day. Uh-huh. She had a heart attack, yeah. and her husband, her husband never called nine one one on time for some reason. Uh-huh. Until he claimed. Yeah, I don't know. It's a whole big mess. And to be very honest, it's like there are days I wish I could grow, call into her mind wherever she is to find out what happened or to tell her, could you help me do this because I'm losing my mind? And, of course, she left me both of her kids and their grandkids to, to deal with, which is fine. <laughs> so what well, changes come? losses count. And yep. everybody has experienced them. Now, talking about our reading, I'm, I'm um, with David, my husband David, who's a novelist. We've been listening to um, a great courses on writing a novel. And what the mm. man said is, what people don't understand is readers read for the problems. They want to see problems, and they want to see yep. how they dealt with, you know, whether they're solved or unsolved. And that makes such good sense to me. I, I agree with you, because you know what? As a reviewer, that I read a lot of books, if there's no cool. problem, or if the problem is really so off-base that it makes no sense, then I go like, oh, yeah, yeah, how could they write that? I mean, seriously. So the problem has to really be something that makes me want to figure out what happened. Am I going to figure it out? A lot of times I do. And is it a problem that is feasible or maybe not? And then when it's not, I go like, oh, God. So what dangers come when we meet Jolene? Oh, God. And what does she want? What does she want to take this place down and close it? I do not like her at all, not at all. Well, I'm glad because I didn't. Okay, because she is a difficult character. Oh, she's evil. Yeah, right. And when she's killed off, we don't care as much, right? No, not really. But, yeah, yeah. But um, so she. Um, the reason we know she's a difficult, I'm going to just use the word difficult character, is yeah. because she tries to use, she's all, like Lily, she's a witch, but she, I mean, tries to use her power for evil. Lily goes by the Wiccan philosophy of do no harm, okay? Do no harm. And Jolene uh, and she can't really do it, but she would like to use witchcraft to hurt people. Mm. So that puts her in um, a different category. Now, when she, the problem for Sarah is when Jolene is murdered, there's evidence left behind, very important evidence that points directly to Sarah. And the reason... Sarah even got involved with Jolene was because Kitty had asked Sarah to do some research for, um, mm. on Jolene because Kitty, oh, the, the, I'm not going to tell you more because it gets a little complicated and I hope the book will, will, will clarify the connections because there are connections between Kitty's past and what's mm. going on in the story. Well, I have to tell you, I posted the review so I wouldn't forget last night, and they wouldn't yell at me and tell me I forgot. And it's 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 oh. amazing. Well, Gina just got it. I just sent it to her. So oh, nice. She sent it to you or whatever, yeah. But to be very honest, people read my, I don't know why, they just do. I mean, well, I, read, I posted it last night, and like 10 people read it. It was like, so buy it's it, amazing. you know, get it. 
That's amazing that you have a following like that. I suspect now, Fran, I, I think. I can't believe it either. You, <laughs> yeah, because it's what you said. You read so many books. And yeah. You understand story is what I feel. That I'm lucky, yeah. Let me tell you. It, you, there are times that you know you read something, and I get it. Then I'm saying, wait a minute. There's something that are, is deeper. That's what that professor taught me. How to look deeper, yeah. so that I get get the main point. And trust me, this week has been stressful and trying to find out mm-hmm. the main point of something. Yeah, I did. I read something really scary yesterday. Uh, Brian Freeman yeah. and Ursulina was phenomenal. But when at the end, I go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I got it. Now I get it. And when I got the questions, he said, "You got it." Yeah, you have to be careful. Yeah. So, what did? Why did Anne get a loan? And what? Poor Aunt Olga. And (laughs) what did she get it from Aunt Olga? And what was odd about it? Oh, poor Aunt Olga. Okay. So, so um, Anne, when she inherited Saint Bridget, there was um, a lot of work to be done. And her her order couldn't help her because they didn't have the financial resources. And as a nun, she did not. But she did know um, an elderly woman who was very supportive of her work. And that woman, she, she insisted to be a loan. She wanted to try to pay her back. The woman gave her the loan, but in her will, she had stated that the loan was repaid. So she was having her just pay a dollar, a, you know, a dollar a month kind of thing. The problem occurred when they found a different will. Mm. That is so Olga isn't really her aunt. She is just this wonderful person who is mm. trying to help this this very safe haven for people like her who are less fortunate. There should be more people like that in the world. Don't I, I tell you. I wish. I wish. So how does play, Willie has the plan to solve the problem of the loan and describe how Jolene and why we know there is something odd and dangerous about her. And don't get too close to her, people. You're going to be sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Well... Again, I think, um, all right, so one of the, uh, there's a couple of things that I really Mm. enjoy, even though it's a scary book. I like the fact that Lily kind of inherits Jolene's dog, Merlin. And so that's one of the, there's a couple of little animals that I think are adorable. I I like Merlin. He's a a papillon, but he digs up something that proves to Lily that this is not a good woman. It's it's something, and you've heard, we've all heard of them. They're, it's called a poppet, yeah. which is used to make these little dolls and stick pins in them to hurt mm-hmm. somebody. And that was an instance where Lily saw that, and she could see that it was, uh, the fi- the little figure looked like a, a guy, so she knew some man was in Jolene's bad graces, which meant he that's might be another suspect. That's scary. So, who is Farley and Doctor? Who is Doctor Tom in relation to him? So, 
<laughs> Dr. Tom is a shrink who volunteers at St. Bridget's. Mm-hmm. He has a stepson from a previous marriage, and the stepson, Farley, is a very brilliant medical researcher. But Farley um, sometimes can be very within himself, and he created um, a drug that the drug company he worked for Mm. rejected because they just didn't see enough progress and they want to make money. He ended up trying to replicate what he knew was this. It's actually a medication to help people with Alzheimer's disease. So that's mm. that's the story. Within that story, Farley, um, he's a decent person, but he gets caught up. He's not sophisticated. Um, he meets Jolene. It's easy for him to be confused about who she is. Mm. All I know is that I wish he would have come up with it when my mother was diagnosed with it. I with know. Alzheimer's. Uh, me too. Yeah. Me too. It, it's it's horrible. They're finding more. There's nine years of it. More. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully they will. But I don't think you know what it is. The pharmaceutical companies create these vaccines and these whatevers. They don't want to cure anything. They just want to give you something to make it less painful, or you can you know it'll, it'll go away, and then in three months you have to take another one. Or these pills. They're not going to cure anything because yeah. it's money yeah. for them. That's what scares yeah. me. Yeah. So when Sarah's well, accused been... of the murder of Jolene, why does Lily need to revisit dream stalking? That's got interesting, let me tell you. Okay, because the police believe they found their killer. Lily is not able in any other way to contribute to being a detective. I mean, she mm. does some external things, but basically she gets to a point where she, so let me tell you, I'm going to stop, go back a little bit about dream walking. Mm-hmm. Because this took me a long time. It asked, you know, about the process, a long time to come up with the process and what it mm. means. So within our dreams, in my story, right, in my way of looking at it, there is a place in our mind that stores our memories. It's a place below our dreams. And if you can get into that place, you can find memories that people might not even want to remember themselves and might repress. Mm. And so those memories make very clear who you, the worst things that those people have done. Okay. And maybe for some people, the worst thing might be something that seems pretty innocent. But Lily has to be very careful to go to go into dreams of people who seem to have a motive that they possibly are related to crime. That's scary. So, what what liquids does she need? What implements and liquids does she need in order to do this? Okay. So. First and foremost, she needs something that belongs to a suspect. It could mm. be anything. When she, the first dream that went wrong, there was um, something left behind by a neighborhood Billy, who's um, bully, excuse me, who stole her friend Kitty's 
pet guinea pig and hurt it, okay? So she uses that. It has to go under her pillow. So some real connection to somebody she wants to look into. And then she she has a special drink that is a tea because she's an herbalist. So she's a Salem witch who runs an herbal studio called Healing mm. Time. And she got her skills both from her grandmother and from um, another great teacher. Those skills were handed down through the generations, skills of healing with herbs. And But the, the, there is one secret tea made with mugwort and African dreaming root. And for this moment, I've lost <laughs> the, the third one, but it's in the book. And she has to drink that before she goes to sleep. And then there's one more little key, one more little thing that came to her from her grandmother that came down through the mm. generations. And it's a small amber pendant. And trapped within the amber is a little firefly. Mm. And that firefly is meant in the dream world to help her find her way to where she's going. That's amazing. So how come so many people attached to Sarah and Jolene are killed? And who is Jolene's boyfriend? And I don't trust him. Yeah, well, Theo is not trustworthy. However, he, well, I'm not going to say too much about it. I'll just tell you a little bit about Theo. Theo has known Jolene for years, and they are a pretty good con artist team. Mm. So that's and that's his story. He has a business he inherited from his mother that's um, a psychic business, and he likes to build especially old ladies of her of their money by keeping them coming back for more information about supposedly the future but he's a fraud a fraudster so that's Theo so how do they she gives us something really that belongs to Kitty but how do the photos bring something to light and what is the significance of the flash drive well the flash drive is a key bit of information because Kitty hid that flash drive after she she mm. uh, and so I don't want to tell too much about it. No, because don't no. that would give too much away. But there are some some key files there. But before that, she has a little treasure box that Lily remembers from the time they were girls. You know, we all have these little mementos. And within that box, she keeps um, things like photos. She has some photos. So Kitty, mm. before her her problems with memory and um, early Alzheimer's, was a science teacher. And she was a very beloved science teacher. So she has some photos of her classes. And those, there might even be a clue there. Who knows? <laughs> so every time there's a dead body and she finds another one, what do the police do? They're not too thrilled, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so she does find dead bodies. Luckily, she, in the first body she finds, right, is Jolene. Right? That's yeah. the trigger. 
The second time she finds, and I'm not going to say who, but it is somebody peripheral, and it has nothing to do with these murders. It has to do with an, another little story that we learned just enough about. And the police know from the way that person was killed that it was a Russian gang. See, that's, that's different. Now, before I forget, I don't want to forget, Thursday, the author of Cliff Diver, on the 20th, what better way to end the month than with New York Times author Deb Pines, A Plague Among Us. Oh, God, that's so good. On the 4th, not like January is going to be really wild. January 4th, I'm going to do with psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo. We're going to talk about winter blues. On the 5th, this is big. I have to confirm it to make sure. At 12 o'clock special time, Mark Cameron, he took over the Tom Clancy series, Chain of Command. On the 6th, uh, yeah, Michael Embry. On the 10th, my professor, George Cavuto. And on the 12th, um, Helen Power. We're going to talk about uh, Thornwood, the the ghost of Thornwood Place, Thornwood Place. And that's just some of January. We've got some really big people in February, and we got Marsha Muller on the 20th, um, ice cold. I was like, I can't believe wow. it. And I, I was honored. Roy, Roy Johansson, Iris' son, is doing one in March. But this was really amazing because I've never, ever, ever, I read her a long time ago, but I've never interviewed her, Janie Ann Krantz in April. It's like, oh, my God, that was big. I was like, I, I was shocked. Yeah, that is amazing because I, I don't know how they're finding me, but they are. What happens when she, and we have to talk about Honey, what talk about she and Honey plus Martin break into Jolene's house? How did you create these scenes? I wanted oh, to break so into it, too. The scene, yeah, creating the scene. So that break-in, um, Honey is a, um, a, her friend, okay? So she is a friend who mm. Sam actually helped after, um, so Honey is a woman who grew up in Scotland, came to live in the U.S., and had a boyfriend who was a burglar. So she was um, caught, swept up in one of his burglary cases, and her uh, Lily's husband, Sam, helped her. And she now runs a, um, a barber shop. She learned to cut men's hair. Well, she, women's hair, too, but she likes to cut men's hair. And she started up a barber shop with the help of Sam. And Honey will do anything for Lily because she really um, appreciates what was done for her by both Lily and Sam as she tried to reclaim her life. Mm. How would you describe Lily's personality? And why is she so bent on helping Anne? even though Anne was not very nice to her. Well, Anne wasn't, but Lily, this is her sister. Yeah, and Lily Lily did build a family with Sam and with Sarah. But I'll tell you, you know, it's just that she is coming to a place in her life, it's a midlife thing, and she realizes the importance of family. And she... She sees the good work her sister is doing, 
And she also sees it's being done in the, this was her Nana's home, and Sarah is being helped, and she, re, she gets on board. She just gets on board. She has a shift in the way she thinks. And she is, you know, family is important to her. So how did you create, I don't want to say what it's about, Chapter 43 is like a dream kind of thing. How did you create those with, with well, those uh, Tom? Well, those <laughs> that, that thing you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it broke the mold. But in but I, I feel like there is a justification. And in, in, when I say break, broke the mold, it broke yeah. the mold in that there is this pattern for dreamwalking. But mm-hmm. later in the story, she can't dreamwalk. And there's a reason. I won't go into it. So she... No. But... But the spirit of her grandmother, or what she thinks of, is there to support her and helps her do what she needs to do. And there is a big battle, and of course, these big battles, I just hope it's a really thrilling to people, and so far I've been hearing it has been thrilling, that it takes place in the real world, but I believe there also is a battle to... In the in the sleeping world, to stay with figuring things out, if that makes any sense. Is I, I wish people could actually do that. You know, like <laughs> the mind of somebody that's gone. My my grandmother, Katie, was a genius. She was brilliant. She couldn't read or write, but she she was very perceptive. Yep. She had cataracts in her eyes. She was in a, a Polish concentration camp, and oh, she, she was. She yeah it was sad, but you know what? She was the smartest person in the world, and she was very perceptive, which is probably where mm-hmm. I get part of myself from. So, Wonderful. I mean, people would love to do that. So why does Sarah, who's in jail, refuse counsel? Why is she so mad? So, Sarah, um, Sarah is um, really more angry at herself, and. The reason she is in jail for that murder is because she did something that hurt Sister Anne and got her involved with drugs again because she had spent some time mm. using drugs. And that hurt. She is just disgusted with herself, and she doesn't believe she deserves help. Well, that's fair. Everybody deserves it, but you can't can't stay feeling guilty forever. After a while, I know. Let it go, I know. people. So, I know. tell us about Nana and her dreams and her voice in the past, and how does she direct the present? And boy, can we use her in the present? So, Nana is always there in Lily's heart. Okay. Yeah. And what I've drawn upon here are. Is my own one? My own grandmother was a Sadie, and I she died when I was very young, and I never knew her. And she also, you know, she she had forebears that came from Scotland, and so mm. Lily's nana is is somebody also that Lily wants to make proud of. Her, you know, has always had this sense of the most important person in her life. 
as she was growing up. Well, you created some real real twists at the end. I'm not going to say what they are, but I can see that in, in here, too, in the book, which is still with me, um, until somebody grabs it out of my hand and says I want it, which is probably they will. The the porter's in my building. The porter in my building, you know, blessed me the other day. I gave him 50 books. I just, you know, stacked them up and... Yeah, and he didn't realize it. I left something outside for the UPS guy, my my pal Wiz, who brings all my stuff. And there was a box that said Wiz, and he took that one too. So I just had to get more books for Wiz for the holiday. Oh, isn't that lovely? I mean, yeah, well, what a great thing to do with books. Yeah, I, you know, the the two porters come from foreign countries, and the people there don't have anything. So I give them clothes and I give them books, you know, every once a month. So it makes me feel good, and they do everything for me anyways, which is great. Um, wonderful. So how did, how did you create the final dream stalker scene, and how did you reveal the killer? But don't say who it was. Because okay. if you don't read this, you're really missing out on a lot. And Christmas is coming up, and, you know, books are great presents. Well, to me anyway. Well, thank you. I'll tell you that, first of all, I, I have to say, that it took me 10 years to get to a point where I had this book ready for publication. Okay? So oh, wow. I have worked. I mean, it, it, the second one is going, I mean, it's like for other people, it'll be in a year, but for other people, that would be like slow sweet. For me, it's like zipping because I know stuff now. But those scenes were, um, they were, that, and that ending was very, um, the, the, all right, I'm going to go to the what's really helped me. I live mm. near Salem, Massachusetts. And I love mm. that place. It is a city that, I mean, it's not just about witches. It has um, immigrants. You were talking about an immigrant population. It has a street, Chestnut Street, which is some people call it one of the most beautiful streets in the United States big, broad arteries with old federal homes from shipbuilding era. It has tall ships that come into the harbor. It has the Peabody Essex Museum or the Salem Witch Museum. I spend a lot of time in Salem, and that also helps me. That, uh, the sea, there are scenes where she is doing stuff in the water on boat, not, no, not swimming. And she is doing stuff in that city. And I even found a book that I loved. And I, I, I interviewed the, uh, I do a written blog. And, I, uh, on, and it's called The Seasons of, a Wit, of the Witch. I, oh, the Season of the Witch. I might have that a little off. But, and um, J.W. Ocker, O-C-K-E-R, wrote it. He took his family to Salem during Halloween so when I'm not researching in person, I can go to a book like that and really, mm. really make it more alive when you go into a scene. So I think that helped a lot. I could use something like that when I write my stuff, but I write from the point of view of the dead body behind the gravestone. Well, and also, yeah, that's right. And right, it, it, each story takes a different thing, right? It, it yeah. takes place within the person. Sounds like within their soul. It, it, it's it's scary. I, my sister died 
So I went to the cemetery, and we were going to uncover her stone. And I said to her, Marsha Joyce, if you could tell me what happened when you had the heart attack, what would you tell me? Why are you here? How come this happened? Who who made you have a heart attack? What happened? Then I walked around the rest of the cemetery, and I said, if all these people could tell their stories, wouldn't it be cool if you could hear their voices from behind the stone? And I wrote the first one, and it, people, some understood it, some didn't. I really didn't care. And then I wrote a few others, and then I told, in silent voices, I told my grandmother's story, the one in the concentration camp. Then I told the other one of my other grandmother, and it, it just like... It's just this one, the next one, if I ever get the energy and time to write it, because there are too many books I have to review, um, it's going to be called The Last Grave. And I have to decide, yeah, there are nine people that are dead, and I'm going to explain why, if I can figure out why, (laughs) figure out why. And I have to figure out who's going to be in The Last Grave, and that's all I'm going to say. So, what happened to Anne? Okay. Yeah, well, there's a there's a person that's in charge of the cemetery that placed those people there. There's somebody evil that placed them there, and he buried them. I won't tell you how, and it, there's a reason why they were they were told they they had he had no choice because if he doesn't follow the spirit, he's gonna he might be in the last grave, but that wouldn't be any fun. So, no. what happened to Anne, and where do you see her with Lily in the future and Sarah too? Um, book two takes place a few months after. And, of course, they're, they're, Lily is feeling that she has her family back. She does in some ways. And then I'll tell you, I'm going to give you just a kicker line. Are you ready? Mm. Right. Yep, I'm ready. Good. Lily's long-lost niece arrives at her doorstep, suffering from oh, PTSD. God. Lily must protect the young woman from a real-life killer and a mysterious creature who invades her dreams. Oh, so this is good. I'm about halfway through. <laughs> this this is good. You see, these are the type of books that when I get them, and I, I didn't know what your book was about, by the way, because for some reason good. I said, okay, they sent me, you know, for the Cheryl sent it before she decided, before Gina took over. And mm-hmm. they're fantastic because they constantly remind me. Then they send me a printout of all of those reviews I have to do and all of the interviews so that I, I have it on my phone so I don't forget, plus in my calendar. Cool. And then they then they email me the week before to make sure that it's confirmed. They make sure that I get my that I'm doing what I'm doing. And you know what? This is this is fun because it keeps my mind off the fact that. There's a pandemic out there. I haven't seen anybody. Last week I saw my cousin for the first time in two years. And the rule is oh. you have to get test you have to get tested before you see somebody. Yep. And you have to make sure that you don't have the the virus, which she did and I yep. did also. We both got tested. And then I when she left I got tested again yesterday, I'm fine. And she's getting tested today again because she was at the airport going home. And that's mm-hmm. that's the rule. You gotta have I, these I know rules it. now, don't we? It's it's scary because my niece was here three months ago, and I told her she couldn't come because she wasn't vaccinated, and it broke my mm-hmm. heart. Oh, of course you know what? it did. It did because she doesn't believe in it, I and her know. mother doesn't either. So I said to her, oh. you know, and then when she went, it was a good thing I didn't see her because she went home. She had the Z, she had COVID from being oh. in New York and running around. Yeah. 
Anyway, so where do you see yeah. Lily in the future? What does Lily really want to do with her life? What would her goal be if she could pick yeah. anything in the world? What does she want to do? Lily wants to be a positive force in the world. And if it means she, she, she really um, is going to be called upon for bigger and bigger kind of societal problems. It's not really problems, but it's really more like things that will hurt even, could hurt even more people. Mm. She is going to be called upon to grow her resources as a dream walker. And this is going to happen in book two. Um, It's already, it's building, it's building. (laughs) I wonder if people actually think they could do that. I mean, that sometimes you go to sleep and all of a sudden you hear you hear somebody's voice or you see somebody's face and out of nowhere. And you say to yourself, well, maybe I'm thinking about this person and I, all of a sudden their first face pops up. I'm sure people think like that. Well, all of a sudden you're walking in the street and you hear a voice and it says to you, I, don't do that. I did an interview for my blog. Um, anybody who wanted to um, take, you know, this is my first time interviewing anybody who wanted to take the interview about their feelings about dreams and whether they had what you might call um, a psychic dream. Like Mark Twain, um, he had a psychic dream before when his brother died. He didn't know he was far away. Very prescient dream. Personally, I've never had a dream like that. I, you know, that's not who, who I am. But there are people, and some of my my respondents said no, and some of them don't have even remember their dreams. But some of them had dreams that seemed very psychic or prescient, and seemed to understand something that was going to happen to them soon. Somebody they were going to meet could be just a minor thing, like a new relative that they saw. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that does happen. Well, sometimes you're just thinking about something and I'm saying, oh, wait, my phone just popped out. Um, oh, what, you know, that, I, yeah. I, I, I could hear my sister's voice saying to me, you know, don't do that or you can do that or whatever, because it's her fault that I'm doing this, by the way. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, she, well, she I, weighed, I weighed 108 pounds. No, wow. now I do. Yeah, well, I did. I weighed a lot more. <laughs> my 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 mother, um, when she did, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2003, I must have eaten myself up into oblivion because I never did that before, and I lost all the weight, mm-hmm. and I'll never gain it back again ever again for other reasons. And I, my sister said to me before she died, you look like a fat couch potato. Why don't you write a book? I said, you're out of your mind. Why don't you rev- why don't you interview people because you have a big mouth and you can ask questions? <laughs> I said you're going to be sorry. I said you're going to be so sorry that I did that. And I wrote my name is Bertha, which was not published by the best publishing company. They didn't edit it right, but it's true stories growing up with her in the South Bronx. And she was sorry I ever wrote it. <laughs> That's how you get even with people now. It is it is cool because. So I put them, I put all three books together. Bertha speaks out. My name is Bertha, and Bertha fights back into sisters, two sisters from the Bronx. And yeah, 
she she started me off on this thing, and I'm not sorry because it's it's a lot of fun. When I retired from teaching, I and I had no choice because of my mother, not because I was old enough. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe I'll just interview people on a radio show. That started out a whole other thing. I, I can't believe I do this. So tell us about Sarah and her knowledge of herbs, because a lot there are a lot of people there that you know use herbs to for, to cure people of different diseases, or they just like them in, to use them in food. Well, so so Sarah actually, when she was young, so her Lily has learned at her grandmother's knee about herbs. When Sarah was a little girl, she was bullied by some neighborhood bullies, and mm. she, her mother, they, her mother, parents went up and they Lily and Sam went up and they they complained, but they also tried to help her with her feelings about herself after that. And Lily helped her make a peace garden, a place with herbs that um, were very peaceful, like lavender and chamomile and just these beautiful little plants. And gardening can help you to um, just relax and to see things grow, I believe. And so Sarah is not a natural herbalist, Although, in the next book, you're going to learn something new about Sarah's new pursuit that's a little bit related. Well, that is good. So tell us about, because I didn't ask about the detective, Detective Petrov, how did he feel about um, her mixing into things, Lily mixing into things, and what role does he play? Does he help at all? Do the police help at all? Yeah. Um, Well, at the end, they help. He considers her a nuisance. But something happens to her home that makes that puts him a little makes a little more empathy because he mm. is not happy that um, something dangerous has happened that he can see that somebody doesn't like the fact she's been asking questions. So he starts at that point to have a little bit more respect for her, and then by the end he. You know, he doesn't believe, she, she can't tell the police, oh, I went into a dream and I learned this. They think she was crazy. So she yeah. has to do things pretty much on her own, and that will at times bring them into conflict. Well, if if Lily could create the perfect dream walk, what would it be? Before we find out where we could find out more about you and your work and everything else. Yes, yeah. right. If Lily could do the perfect dream walk, she would walk into her. So when she was a baby, her mother died. Mm -hmm. She would walk into her mother's dreams and really learn more about her mother. That would be interesting. I'd like to walk into my father's dream or my sister's dream or my mother's dream and find out what really happened to them. Well, see, there's a biggie. There is a biggie. And and, uh, just to know, yeah, I I mean, I've had circumstances, too, where it would be a comfort to know. Well, my mother, I was standing in the hospital, and I had walked out just to go home for two minutes to change and come back, and she had Alzheimer's, so I knew. Before I left, she said, Mm -hmm. no more. I said, Mom, what do you mean no more? You're not going to be here to drive me crazy anymore? Oh, my God. Wow. And when I got the phone call 
from the hospital, it was somebody that said something, and I, oh, I went off a wall. She said, your mother expired. I said, she's not a parking mm. meter, and your job is about oh. to expire. Yeah, yep. and I yep. called my doctor. I said, what kind of a moron or miserable person says to me, she's my mother expired? And he got on the phone. He let her have it right between the eyes. When I got there, needless to say, my mouth, forget it. I said, how dare you be so insensitive? And the nurses that took care of her really loved her. They took such good care because they, even though they didn't get to know her, they asked me about her. So they got to know Ruth. And my mother was my mother was feisty till the day she died. You never knew what she was going to say, and she taught me some words cool. I never even heard of. But cool. anyway, where do can we, where can we find out more about you and your work? So um, I have a website, and it's um, nancygardnerauthor.com, and I'd love people to visit. Or you could send me an email at nancygardner at nancygardnerauthor.com. Or you you could do both, and I'd love you to sign up for my twice-monthly newsletter. And if you do sign up, um, there's a free download of an e-short story, an e-book short story about Rose Hernandez that you might enjoy. I'm sure they will. And you know what? Your book is going on my shelf because you autographed it. And when the book oh, is autographed, when the book is autographed, and I like it, I don't give it away. So too bad, people. You have to buy it yourself. Well, I'm going to think of you with that book on your shelf, and it's going to make me smile when I do it. Well, just write the next one so I can read it because I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Well, we'll everybody, we'll it's freezing out here. I don't know how it is by you, but here it is officially, oh, it's hot, 46 degrees. You don't even need a jacket. Yeah, you do. 46 degrees is like a heat wave here. But Nancy, thank you so much. If Is David writing another book by any chance besides a journalist? Oh, that was different. He is. And I am going to be um, doing an interview of David for my blog because he can't escape. Nice. He's right in the house. Just capture him, right? <laughs> you know, if he wants to take the questions, I sent him the questions for the book. If he wants to take them and answer them, I can post them on Just Reviews as an interview if he wants. I don't think he would like that. He's a little bit shy, but he's, oh, don't he's, be. he's a wonderful writer. Well, I'm, I'm not, you know, something, I was a very quiet kid until I decided I wasn't. And cool. when I w- when it, I went into junior high school, I never answered a question in elementary school. My mother was the PTA president. My aunt was the teacher, and they resented me because of it. And I was an A student. I never got full credit for anything that I did. So when I got to junior high school, my mother went to my seventh grade teacher, and I was a 98% student. Actually, she wanted 100, but what could you do? Um, <laughs> you know, she was tough. And the teacher said, who is she? And she had to show him a picture of me. In order to know who it was, he tell her, yeah. told her if she wants to get straight A's, she better raise her hand and speak out. And even if she's wrong, it's okay. I was always told that, well, you can't make a mistake. You're not allowed to be wrong. And mm-hmm. he, taught me, he taught me that it's okay, and I haven't stopped since. Thank God for James Lee. Good for you. All I know is that, speak yeah, up. he gave me the confidence, yeah, to, be, to do what I'm doing. And that's probably why when I taught for all those years, I said to my classes, it's okay to make a mistake, but it's not okay to be a discipline problem. 
and we didn't have any. Yeah, I taught Mm -hmm. in a tough school in the Bronx, and I'm little, and they looked at me, and I go, you don't want to mess with the queen and make me sad. (laughs) I like that story. I think it should be written. Yeah, they are. They were, they were experienced. I had the first class. Nobody wanted even. They prayed for me to be healthy. But you know what? Oh. It was the best experience of my life. But, Nancy, thank you so much. And thank please stay you. in touch. And let me know when the next one comes out. Everybody, it's cold outside, but the sun is shining. Everybody have a great day, and bye. <laughs>